Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about certainty, a topic that feels more important today than ever before, but all in all, always an important topic. We got my good friend and business partner here in the Whale Club, Paul Sparks, not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. Now, the reason why we do this show is because a wise man once asked a question. If you look at the last three of your business, five months, and turn all the negative months into zeros, what would happen to your bottom line? That wise man, obviously, is our mentor, Dan Nicholson. And we are here to help you achieve financial certainty in real estate by rigging the game in your favor. I am on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you'll become one too. And if you get value today, please share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. And just real quick, when when we're speaking here, you're going to hear us speaking a slightly different language. Might cause confusion. That's okay. All I ask is that you keep an open loop. And please write your takeaways in the live chat. And after you've thought about it, put your six-word update in the comments below. And so today, we're going to be talking about how Paul was able to raise his profits and, more importantly, reduce risk using the barbell strategy. But before we get into that, let's get into six-word updates. You want to go? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Chick-fil-A is my favorite fast food. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're counting Chick-fil-A as one word, but the wife's out of town. Uh, so I'm getting fast food today. So I got my Chick-fil-A. I'm a very happy boy. You get to eat whatever you want. That's and right. here I am. All know. I've had for the day is a Red Bull. So anyway. Uh-oh. Uh, so yeah, running a crazy schedule. This is the fourth show today. So for me, my uh, uh, six-word update, your failed venture actually produced fruit. And so, you know... We shut down our brokerage in, uh, we started it Q1 of last year, but we actually finished in July. But this month would actually mark our 10 year if we were still open. And if you were to look at the books, right? This thing about like, look at your last three years and <laughs> make all the negative month zeros. If I could look at the last 10 years and turn all my negative month zeros, that would be phenomenal. So Stunning Homes Realty will go down uh, in history as a business that never produced profit or Never in the in 10 years, it never produced a total profit, right? They were profitable months, they were profitable years, but for the most part, it's just another venture. They did not work so well. And so I kind of put it down there as a, as a business that failed. But what I have found is that in managing over 100 realtors, it's actually helped me, managing and mentoring 100 realtors has actually made me a better mentor right now in the education space. I can actually help people with their business because I've been trained right, in uh, helping people. And on top of that, I've had some uh, great conversations about real because of my experience with studying homes realty. So that's my six word update. That's great. It's like a reference to the timer model, right? It's not all about money. Sometimes you're getting other currencies. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like you got a lot of other currencies out of that one. I got a lot of other currencies out of that one. So even though there were a lot of sleepless nights at the end of the day, it was a wonderful journey. So how, Paul, do you raise profits and reduce risk using the barbell strategy? Well, this is going to be a fun show. I'm excited to, uh, to talk about this. So why don't you start by, because we've, we've, we've referenced the barbell many times, mm-hmm. but uh, if, if you're not familiar with the barbell, why don't you explain what that means? Yeah, so I'll try to get the, uh, through this as succinctly as possible. Uh, so if you look at the barbell and the way we've talked about it, right, on one side of the barbell, you've got reliability. This is your reliable side. 
Uh, this is your bread and butter. This is where money's coming in on a consistent basis. You know, you can predict your revenue. You can predict your expense, right? That's one side of, of the barbell, right? Anything in the middle, it's just work. That's where all the heavy lifting comes from. And on the far right, what we want to have is asymmetric risk to the upside. So higher upside, limited downside. So these could be, you know, we've talked about blockchain. Uh, these could be your flips. This could be, um, I mean, really investing in, uh, in your people, right? Higher risk or higher upside and minimal risk. If not minimal, if not, it's not zero risk, right? It's limited risk. It's, what does it call it? Uh, domesticated risk. Domesticated risk. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so I'll, I'll add a few things to that because the way that we're describing it in terms of upside and, and reliability is one way to look at the barbell, but there's, there's a lot of other ways to describe this. And so, you know, this was written about by a famous Stoic philosopher named Seneca 2000 years ago. He started describing what he called a bimodal strategy, which just means, you know, we've, we either, we either want to be on one side or we want to be on the other. Being in the middle oftentimes adds a lot of risk. So this is a method to remove risk from something. And I thought I would give an example that might like nail this for people because there's so many different ways you could describe a barbell. But let's talk about it in terms of uh, real estate and, and wholesaling, right? So let's say that you've got a, a lead that calls in and you know that like, uh, and, and let's say you answer that phone live. Uh, well, let, let's say that you don't answer that phone live. And now you're calling back, which is a cardinal sin, by the way. If you don't answer that phone live, that's not a good thing. You right? so you've, already, you've, already, yeah, you've already put a bunch of risk in the system. But let's say that you missed that call and now you call them back. And the whole concept of a barbell is like, well, you either should be making like only one call, like call them and try to close them. Or you need to call them like 20 times, like you got to do enough to get the actual deal, right? So like if we know that on average it takes, let's say, 10 touches to get back in front of somebody when you call them or when they call you and, the, and you don't answer, it's like, well, what good does it, what good does it do to call them five times? You know, it's, you're better off just calling them once because if, if you're not going to commit to the 10, which is what's actually needed on average to, to get that person back on the phone, mm -hmm. calling him two, three, four, five times like that. It's just a waste of effort. You might as well, if you're not going to do what's needed to get the 10, just forget about it. Just call him once and move on to the next person or make the commitment to do the whole thing. Right. That's a great point. I never thought about it that way, but yeah, we know that if your effort, if what your heart is willing to do is four or five dials, you might as well not make the second, third, fourth and fifth dials. That's right. So it's either it's it's sort of saying like you either need to do uh, one side or the other. And when we describe the real estate example, we're describing it in terms of reliability and uh, upside. And there's there's a ton of other examples I could probably give. Uh, but for the sake of time, we'll just we'll just sort of accept that, like and most people understand a barbell. You actually were describing it at another point in time, like a dumbbell, same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, whatever fits. We've all seen these things. And so it's either on one side or the other.
Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to tell a little bit of a story today about my background, how I got into real estate, the decisions that I made in the first couple of years, and then what I had to do in order to adjust. Um, but first, I thought it would be fun to play a game, Steve, because right. uh, we'll illustrate the concept of of loading the weight in the middle of the bar. It's the same thing as like only making four or five calls to call that person back. Like you either need to do enough or don't do do anything at all. So let's play a game. I'm always and I know for a game. You, you you introduced the the call today with about you know you as you do with every call about becoming a millionaire, people becoming a millionaire. Mm -hmm. So let's play the millionaire game. All right. All right. So it costs you $10 to play this game. Do you want to play? I mean, <laughs> I got I got 10 entries right now in my wallet. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. You only need 6. So okay. you can play this game 6 times. All right. And best part about this game is it only costs you $10 to play, but if you win, you win a million dollars. All right. I'm liking my chances. Right. Pretty pretty high upside there. 10 for a million? I mean, that's that's 100,000 to 1. I mean, as long as the odds make sense, 100,000 to 1, I'm in. Yeah. Pretty good odds, right? Really high upside. And you actually have a, an 83% chance of winning this game every single time you play. Incredible. So, 100,000 to 1 return. Yeah. And 83% chance of winning. Yeah, so 83% of the time that you play this game, the odds are that you're going to win. All right. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this game. Okay. So there's a catch to this game. Okay. It's called Russian Roulette. Okay. I'm not, I'm not feeling <laughs> as good about this game anymore. Okay. So you're familiar <laughs> with Russian Roulette, right? I mean, there's there's thing where the you're, you're spinning a gun and you're pulling the trigger. That exactly. part is a little less fun. Spinning actually, the spinning part's okay. It's that pulling the trigger that really gets me. Right. So it costs you $10 to play this game. If you win, and 83% of the time you're going to win, there's six bullets in the chamber. Mm -hmm. So five, or there's six uh, spots in the chamber. There's only one bullet. So the odds that you win are five out of six. Yeah. So 83% of the time you're going to win this game and you're going to make a million dollars. But what's the, what's the downside of playing that game and losing? Giant hole in my head. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just call it total ruin, catastrophic yeah. event, right? Catastrophic you can no loss. longer play. A catastrophic loss. Exactly. You can no longer play this game if you lose. And yeah. and so I like to illustrate the concept of the barbell and the concept of risk by playing that game because as we're describing it, it costs $10 to play. Well, that's that's not that much. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you win, you win a million dollars. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. 83% of the time, you're going to win the game. Even better. But if, you, but if you lose that game, you can now no longer play any games ever. You're out of the game. You're out of, out of uh, existence, right? Yeah, it's the literal, literal, literal definition of game over. Right. And so this is the perfect example of how I built my business for the first year and a half in real estate. I was only looking at the upside. I was only looking at what happens if I win. I could make all this money if I'm right. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't paying attention to the fact that, like, if I'm wrong, it could be really bad. And we could, you know, I wasn't playing Russian roulette. That's a, that's a, you know, an exaggerated example for us to understand the, the types of bets that we make. Um, 
But I wanted to tell that story because I think as entrepreneurs, we're very susceptible to making these bets. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is only paying attention to the upside and not paying attention to the downside. Yeah, I mean, for us, in our minds, generally, okay, I can make 20, 15, 20, maybe 100K on this. The upside is worth whatever it costs to play. But we know we don't look at necessarily the cost to play. Or we only look at the cost of play as in like, you know, here's what it costs to buy the property, maybe three months of hard money or whatever. But we never take into account what happens if we're wrong. Right. Well, and so what's the cost of doing? So let's bring this back to like a real estate example. And mm -hmm. let's use the cold calling thing, right? The, the Either one call or 10, right? So you got one call on one side, 10 calls on the other. What is the risk? of not making enough calls to actually convert that lead? Um, lost lead, uh, lost uh, marketing expense. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we, we heard a uh, collective genius, Christina Krauss, gave this you know, great presentation where she's talking about um, it's not the marketing, it's you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, it's, you know, if you're not going to do the things that need to be done in order to actually convert that lead, then you're better off just not doing it in the first place. Um, and so, you know, before I got into real estate, let me tell you a little bit about my background for those who don't know me that well. I, I'm an engineer by trade. I got into sales because I'm actually a terrible engineer. Um, I'm much better at selling things to engineers because uh, I can speak the language, but, you know, doing the things, operating the stuff, that's just not my skill set. Um, so I made a, a great career for myself selling automation and tech to some of the largest companies in the world. And through that career, they, every single manager, actually it was the last manager coined the term, the whale hunter mm -hmm. for me. And he hated the way that I approached sales. You know, everybody else was like hitting, you know, every month or two, they would get a, you know, a chunk of cash. Yeah, exactly. And here was Paul, like month after month after month after month, not bringing in any revenue. But then, you know, November, December hits and bam, there's my entire year's goal in one deal. Yeah. <laughs> you can imagine how that would drive my managers crazy. Yeah. Well, you're the, you're the Babe Ruth, right? It's like, he's either going to uh, go for, he's either going to hit for the fences or strike out. And you just don't know which until the month's end. Right. And I'm not I'm not necessarily saying that's right or wrong. It's just like that's me. That's my personality. That's my approach. I've always gone after the larger deals. Um, and so I got this name, the whale hunter. Well, what happened was then I got into real estate and I started looking around at everybody else's businesses and got into this trap of comparison. And what I had done is I had built up my marketing, uh, I should say my monthly overhead, to about $40,000 a month, which, you know, for me, as a pretty small operator, that was a lot of money. Um, a lot, a lot, you know, and a lot of stress came with that. And here's the thing about building a business around volume, right? Doing that type of a business is, well, when the phone calls, when that lead calls in, and we didn't answer the phone because... You know, 
Uh, I didn't manage my team well. I didn't have the right systems in place. All the things that have to go right. Operation. Exactly. I'm a terrible operator. And so because of that, we didn't answer the phone. And then we'd call them back and we didn't get them. And then we would just move on to the next deal. Right. We didn't have the systems in place to actually convert that. And I didn't have either. I don't know what it was, either the leadership capabilities or the right you know, systems or, you know, all the reasons why it didn't work. But what happened was we were spending a lot of money and not getting very far. Right. We were doing consistent deals, I suppose. But it was just we were barely breaking even barely. Um, and that was causing a ton of stress and anxiety. I mean, you probably know. I know that you know the complexity involved mm-hmm. when you start doing texting, cold calling, direct mail, pay-per-click, SEO, all these things. You've got lead managers. You've got acquisitions managers. You've got dispo. Mm-hmm. You've got realtors and agents and all these team members. And, and it's just like all these components of this system, they have to work well together. Otherwise, the system reliability is extremely low. That's what happened to my business. Right. And so what did you figure out then? with the barbell how does that apply well the definition for me of loading the weight in the middle of the bar is complicated businesses because yeah i get it the upside might be big but the downside is also really big you know the downside is we just burn forty thousand dollars a month i mean i've told this story on this uh show before where i spent fifteen thousand dollars a month twice for two months in a row with a phone number on my direct mail that didn't work, Steve. Like, talk about literally, I would have actually had more pleasure lighting $15,000, $30,000 on fire every other month. You could have posted like, on Instagram. That you would have more followers. I would. <laughs> and so it's just, it's a testament to like, but I'm actually a pretty good salesperson. And so what I found is that I was not playing my game. I was playing a, a game that I was like observing through comparison. Well, that's what these people do. Mm-hmm. Looking at guys like yourself, guys like, you know, Jason Lewis. I mean, just CG is filled with excellent operators. But what I didn't account for was like, but Paul, you're not an excellent operator. Yeah. So the question really is like, well, yeah, I could have gone out and hired that who, who, not how. I get that. Could have done that. But I decided to go a different route. I decided to start building my business around how do we get these bets out of the middle of the bar? How do we get them on one side or the other? And I only learned that because I went through the CCA and started reading and learning from Dan Nicholson about this book, Rigging the Game, which I was just showing here. In that, game, in that book, he talks about playing your game, playing to your strengths. And so when I started realizing my strength is not being an operator, And I said to myself, Paul, you need very simple businesses, right? Like you need it to be very simple. We need really small teams and we need to get stuff out of the middle. So what in the, what was in the middle for me was spending all this money on marketing, but not having the systems in place to actually be able to manage all that. Yeah. Well, not just the systems and processes, but the desire to manage people to make sure the systems and processes were in place. Yes, that's exactly right. Could I do that? Yes. 
is this something that we call this the commissioner frame? Like, is this, I get to define the rules of my game, you know, just like a commissioner of any league and, or somebody else is going to define them for you. Right. So it, it wasn't a question of like, can you do this? Maybe for a short period of time, I could do it, mm-hmm. but could I do this indefinitely? No. Do I really want it to even own that type of a business? No, because I've built my entire career on relationships. Right. That's how I sold to United Airlines. That's how we sold to all these major companies is by building relationships. That's how you do these large deals like that. Right. So once you came to that conclusion, then what changed? So we gutted the entire business, right? We do, this was about June of last year. So I I feel a little fortunate to have realized this right then. Um, Gutted it in terms of, we didn't let anybody go. We just reoriented the way that we thought about solving this real estate problem, right? And so we started taking bets out of the middle. Uh, You've heard me talk about fix and flips. We did a bunch of fix and flips up to that point. Again, fix and flips require someone who is an excellent operator, someone who knows what they're doing, right? And I'm not that. So Mm -hmm. some of my flips went really well, and some of them went terribly, and I'm still dealing with the fallout of that today. So we got rid of fix and flips. We got rid of big teams. We got rid of complicated processes. And we started focusing on, well, what do we do well? And what I do well is build relationships. And it was it was really like when I first uh, started, you and I started working together Mm -hmm. and you gave me a kick in the butt and was like, get out here and let's do a podcast and we're going to start doing certainty talks and you're going to talk about this stuff. Exactly. And I was scared. Yeah, no, you're like, that's not me. I don't really want to do this. I don't want to create content. That's not that's not something that I, I am excited about doing. Right. But. That has a lot to do with human mindset stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Just being a little bit fearful of the unknown. And so we micro-stepped it. We started doing it slowly, right? We just started doing a few podcasts. And uh, Nick and Dan were sort of like, slow down, Paul. Like, you're going really fast. You know, I built this studio, and we started doing things. And it was like, it slowly started building from there. And I started to realize, oh, right. This is my game. Mm -hmm. My game is relationships, And so we got all of that high marketing costs. We got these complicated systems. We don't have a lead manager. We don't have a lot of the things that a traditional wholesaling business, the types of businesses that you coach, the types of businesses that we see in Collective Genius. I don't have businesses that look like that. Right. Because I've got to play to my strengths and my strengths are not operating those types of businesses. So how does social media then or creating content show up or how does it how does it look on your barbell yeah okay so in terms of strategies it still looks very similar so on on the reliable side of the barbell we still do things like wholesale we do uh novations which are probably one of our most profitable strategies Mm -hmm. we do um retail my wife lists you know houses for us on the retail side and we also do some creative deals, which, you know, I'm, I'm working on a couple of those right now. Why I like those strategies is because they have very low risk. I also like them because I don't actually have to market to get those deals. I don't have to spend a dime to get them. I just need to know the people that have them. 
And so when we when we started orienting our business around relationships as our number one uh, currency, our most valuable asset in our business is the relationships that we have. It started making perfect sense. We can either. Uh, and, and so I should also say we went from about a forty thousand dollar a month overhead to about 13. Right. So <laughs> talk about, you know, loosening the noose around the neck, you know, yeah. now at, at that forty thousand dollar a month clip, we had to do at least one big deal a month just to come close to breaking even. That doesn't that doesn't even include the payouts and commissions to my team or feeding your family or feeding or paying myself for that matter. Yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah, we had to do two to three deals at least a month in order to keep up with that, that monthly nut. Right. Now we've got a $13,000 a month overhead. I use a lot of the same resources uh, now to support other businesses that I have. Right. So it's a forcing function for whale club. It's a forcing function for raising capital. Some of the other things that you know that I do a lot of. Mm -hmm. um, and so because we don't have to do deals, I've also got a business treasury, you know, that we talk about that supports a lot of my overhead as well. So again, we don't really have to do deals, but maybe one good deal a quarter in order to really break even. Yeah. And that is playing to my strength. Now we're getting to the point where where I can go out and start working on, you know, these larger deals that I like to to focus on. And not have to worry about playing a volume game. Yeah, so you can be strategic. You can say no to skinny deals. Whereas before, we had to say yes to skinny deals. Right? So you can say no to skinny deals so that you can sift and sort and wait for the, the bigger deals, the better deals. That's right. And you're able to reduce your risk, not just from the overhead component, but now you also have more upside because you can create, you can have different conversations from the relationships you created through social media. Yeah. I mean, you just, you nailed it when you just said like these skinny deals. I mean, how much time and effort we spent chasing down deals just to try to make 10, 15 grand, sometimes less, you know? And it's like the amount of energy and effort it takes to close a 10 to $15,000 deal is really no different than a $50,000 deal. In fact, as I've gotten further into this, it's no different than a half a million dollar deal. Yeah. Well, I would say in my experience, the skinniest deals also require the most amount of work, right? And, you know, to your point, you're talking about a forcing function. I, I was in Strategic Coach some time ago, right? And one of the exercises we did was look at all the different activities, all the different things I'm responsible for doing at my company, and then what are the outcomes for each one of those activities? And, it, and as I'm going through, I was like, wait a minute. When I do a podcast of Real Estate Disruptors, this feeds, at the time, my brokerage, my wholesale company, my education company, and my title company. <laughs> like, is there a better you know, upside play, and what's the risk? At that point, $200 an episode. So my risk was $200 an episode, and the upside was outrageous. Now, I want to take a step back here as well, because we were talking about uh, the uh, revolver, right? The Russian roulette. So we're saying, you know, what is the uh, downside? The downside is ruined. Now, here's the thing, though. A lot of us uh, have a, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a misconception, a misunderstanding of risk in that we always think, like, if I'm wrong, okay, instead of 
making 20, 30K, I might lose 10, 15K, right? That's generally the accepted, you know, like math. And it's true 99% of the time. But the 1% is not, is enough to destroy your business, right? So, I mean, I, got, I just caught wind of someone this week that got caught with tens of properties, right? When, uh, when, when, when the rate hike uh, hit, tens of properties talking about thirty to $50,000 in uh, a swing from profit to negative, that's enough to take down more than enough businesses, right? So when we talk about the risk, right? Yeah, okay, you know, we might, if we're wrong, we might lose 20, 30K. No, if you're wrong, you lose everything. When we're talking about the Russian roulette, does it feel like an exaggeration? Kind of. But how many people are out of business right now in the last seven or eight months? It's almost impossible to quantify the actual downside. It's easy with Russian roulette. That actually makes it really simple. Mm -hmm. The problem is when we start making, like, business is gambling. Business is gambling. Legalized gambling. It is like yeah. we're making bets every single day. We hire these people. We spend money on marketing. We do all these things and we're making bets that we're going to get a return. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, and, and if you've read Nassim Nicholas Taleb, I, I highly recommend. I'm you know, loving his book. Are... I'm loving his book. It's an, it's an incredible book. Now, I will also say in doses. Yeah. Well, so he calls it like, what does he call it? Trailing events, basically like the tales of a distribution. Right, those are really small, uh, incredibly unlikely, incredibly rare events. Exactly, but he calls these black swan events, mm -hmm. and you just can't account for them. But they happen all the time, right? And it's it's way outside of the normal distribution, but that's that's what happens. And so you just can't quantify the amount of downside when you're when you're looking at making a marketing bet. Right. Mm -hmm. So this person, I mean, I'm about to buy, I'm looking at a 12 unit portfolio right now from a fix and flipper who did the same thing. I mean, he's about to take a $600,000 haircut on these. <laughs> that's not a haircut. That's like a, you just, you, you just got scalps brother. Yeah, like I that's mean, not good. That's a late cut. Yeah. And, and the point is, it's like, it's really hard to know what the downside could be. So we have to like take methods in order, instead of just looking at what is the upside in this play, now I am looking at how do I reduce downside. So, you know, I love that you brought up the fact that by making social media content, by reorienting my business to a relationship style business, right? That is our number one currency. It's not lead. I mean, yeah, our relationships bring us leads, but that's not the leading measure. Our leading measure is relationships quality touches to those relationships um and what's the upside it's massive right what's the upside of having a podcast uh i'm testament to this the amount of people that have come out of the woodwork in the last six months to be like hey i love what you're doing hey let me give you some money hey i got a deal for you hey i got a business opportunity for you i mean steve i i promise you you've had the same experience definitely had the same experience i have my biggest challenge is, 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 is using the word now. It's really, really hard. Yeah. Well, and, and that's a different problem for a different day. But, right, the upside is, is so immense. And the way that I look at it is, 
really what's the downside? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's probably the cost to to run this, my time, sure. But I like to just say the the risk of doing a personal branding strategy and podcasting and doing all this stuff is that you make a bunch of friends. Yeah, exactly. That's the downside. Yep. And then let's talk about, you know, preference versus binary, right? Like, this is what makes sense for Paul. Paul yeah. wants to have relationships, wants to, uh, wants to have um, less overhead, doesn't like systems, <laughs> potentially does not like having a large organization, which is fine, right? That's Paul, and he wants to hit grand slams. That's Paul. Now, if you're listening to this and you love flipping, right? We're not saying don't flip, right? We're saying figure out if flipping is the low risk for you, right? Like go keep keep flipping houses. We're not saying don't flip, don't market, don't run systems and operations. I mean, I have a pretty decent sized organization here. We're not saying don't do these things. We're saying do them if you can make it low risk for you. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell, say it's low risk for me, but I've got this other side, right? With Dr... Uh, Dr. Spencer calls obligations. That's kind of where I'm at right now, right? But, you know, I just did a dispositions training earlier today, right? I did a dispo training. And in the dispo training, my last or second to last slide is a picture of Jamil Damji, right? Why is it a picture of Jamil Damji? Well, he's a relationship guy. What is he great at? Creating relationships. So what does he do? He goes out and creates relationships. He's sourcing deals or joint ventures at very minimal cost, and he's moving for very good revenue, right? So if you look at, for his personality, I would not say, hey, Jamil, you should go build a large organization, and you should go get cold callers, and you should go get texters, right? You should go hire VAs uh, from around the world and do all these. It wouldn't make sense for Jamil. I love the guy. Wouldn't make sense for him to do that. Now, fortunately, he's got partners that can do all those things, but if I were to say to him, this is what you should do. No, you should do what your superpower is, which is making other people feel good. This plays so well off the, the show we did last week around seeking consensus. Mm -hmm. That's what got me into trouble. Is yeah. I just started asking, well, what 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 would you do if you were me? Or I mean, and I don't I don't think I actually overtly asked that question. I just approached it that way by looking at everybody else and trying to build the same business that they had mm -hmm. without actually accounting for my own preferences and my own strengths and weaknesses, right. you know? Um, so this is what we mean by preference versus binary. There is not a right or wrong way to do real estate. Anyone who tells you that is a charlatan at best. They're, they are just trying to get your money. They're trying to sell you something. And, it, you know, They're going trying back to... to my strengths, right? So my strength isn't necessarily running a large wholesale organization either, right? What I say is my strength is finding people that can run a larger wholesale organization, right? Yeah. Finding the resources so that they can run it, right? Sourcing talent to get in the seats. So my strength is not running a large organization. My strength is finding people that can run organizations. Yeah. And yeah, that's spot on. I mean, it's so it's that's the essence of playing your game is really taking the time to actually like think through your own strengths, weaknesses, preferences. Uh, that's what Dan calls it preferences, right? I like that phrase because 
um, you know, it, it just tells you it's a choice. It's mm -hmm. a choice. You get to choose to either play your game or play somebody else's game. What are you going to do? Right. <laughs> the answer is pretty obvious when you ask that question. Now, before we, I got a case in point here, but before we do that, guys, you know, these are the kind of conversations we're doing or we're having with the members within the Whale Club. So if that's something you guys are interested in, there's a wait list within the YouTube description or go to realestatecertainty.com. You can check out our free Discord. Check out our community, right? There's no cost to joining our community. Now, as far as a case in point, we just had Jason Griggs on the podcast this Wednesday. And by the way, if you watch the, the views, right, like our live engagement was much lower than normal. Not much lower, but it was lower than normal. Why? He was talking about something that's not super sexy, which is massive cash flow, <laughs> massive equity. He just has 27 properties in Vegas that are nearly paid off that he bought in the last four or five years. That's a pretty good situation, right? But before he got there, he was spending a ton of money on marketing, and it was going absolutely nowhere. And he had a conversation, had to sit down with my friend Ryan Pineda, and Ryan basically asked him, like, dude, why are you marketing? You're a people person. He's like, why am I marketing? And he stopped marketing, and he saved money, had less stress, and then became more successful. Such a great case in point. But it, you can't see – it's hard to see that stuff sometimes, like when you're actually in the action. Um, when you're in the weeds. So it, when you're in the weeds, yeah. Uh, and so I think the key takeaway here is that this is – none of this is prescriptive, right? Like you brought up flips. And, and folks, I know so many people who have very, very reliable wholesaling businesses that use direct mail, cold calling, texting, like – Ren Bartlett has an entire business built around that. Mm -hmm. Like that is his strength is helping those types of operators build that type of reliability in your business. Yeah. The only thing I would caution you is if that's the type of business that you want long-term, mm -hmm. are you actually playing to your strengths by building that business? Because just cause you can, yeah. doesn't mean that that's actually getting you closer to what you want. So it's very important to make sure like, before you start trying to gamble in business, which is what business really is, that you understand the game you're trying to actually play here. Yeah, and what's cool about Ryan is that he actually loves it. He loves managing people. Like how many people Love do you it. know loves managing people? Ryan loves managing people. It's an incredible sight to see. He's in his strength zone when he's talking to his salespeople. Yeah, you can feel it. You can feel it. But like... <sighs> It's a preference. That's not a that's not a right or wrong way. Exactly right. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the essence of how I play my game. Is I reoriented my business to play to my strengths, similar to the guests you just had on your podcast, right? Mm -hmm. I had to recognize why are you marketing? That you're not even good at that. But that's not your strength. Stop yeah. trying to play somebody else's game. And when we reoriented. Now what I've realized is I've got to I've got to start building more reliability in my business mm -hmm. because I thought that's what the wholesaling business was going to be but it hasn't moved from the center of the bar like it's it's stayed right there. Yeah, I could put a ton of energy and effort into turning that business into a reliable business, but back to the commissioner frame, is this is this a game I'm willing to play in perpetuity? No, it's not. Yeah, oh, I, right? guess, I guess there was a key word here, right? You said it feels like a job. So I guess for everyone that's listening right now, right, something you could do prescriptive potentially is are what you're doing right now, does it feel like work? Mm. And if it feels like work, 
right? Now you're in the middle of the barbell. Now you gotta figure out how do you move it to the left where it's reliable, right? Or move it to the right where it's got upside and, and domesticated risk or stop doing it. Exactly. It's either, it's either, if it's in the middle of the bar, what can we do to get this more reliable? What can we do or, do, or can we add upside by reducing downside? If not, then you just got to get rid of it. You got to be able to like, it's all, it's back to the naming the puppy thing. You know, I know you thought that wholesaling business was a great business for you. I mean, we're still, we still do the wholesaling. We still do novations. We still do all these things. I just had to ask myself, how can I change this? so that I can make it reliable and that I, it's a business that I do want to keep long-term, right? And so the way that I did that is through building a personal branding strategy. That strategy is not going to work for everybody. It works for me because I'm playing to my strengths. Mm -hmm. You know, so the real message here is you've got to sit down and like draw out your own barbell. Where do, what sits on the reliable side? For me, that's my rentals. But because we've shifted towards this relationship strategy it's not nearly as consistent which means like i don't know when our next deal's coming always right it just pops up um because that's the nature of relationships you have a little bit less control so i'm focusing less on my upside plays right now and focusing more on well okay so how can i build more reliability into my life it's more rentals it's more you know, we talk about stuff with Whale Club. Actually, the way that we changed, uh, we're going to change uh, the way that we charge, right? Because I would rather have consistent monthly cash flow than one big injection of cash. And so just making that subtle shift now gets me closer to the things that I actually want, which is reliability. I need some reliability in my life mm -hmm. so that I can do what I really like to do, which is play on the upside stuff like development, stuff like raising money, stuff like, you know, blockchain and AI and all these cool things. I love to play business as a sport, but there's trade-offs to that, right? You still need reliability. So, you know, that's how I designed my, my barbell. It's resulted in significantly higher profits. It's resulted in significant lower anxiety, I'm not worried about, am I, did I put the wrong freaking phone number on the direct mail piece? You know, and like, who's going to answer the phone when it calls? And like, yeah. what are we doing with all the leads that are sitting in there? And it was just, it became a, too much uh, for me. And so, so much happier now that I've redesigned my business. But the result, uh, the reason I was able to do that is because I played my game. Yeah. So I would say probably, again, like prescriptive here, right? Ask yourself if this feels like work. If it does, ask yourself those questions. Can I, can I make it more reliable? Can I increase the upside and lower the risk? Or maybe how can I stop doing this altogether? And then, you know, we were talking about earlier, rigging the game. Highly recommend reading the, rigging the game. It causes you, forces you to ask, ask yourself very difficult questions. And after all that, right, check us out inside the Whale Club. Yeah, I mean, all the things that Steve and I sit here and jabber about week after week is like, is, is laid out in this book, Rigging the Game. So this whole, you know, certainty operating system, all the things that we're, drawing on here is all laid out in that book we also know that there's a big gap between action and intention just because you read the book does not mean that your actions are now going to change 
That's why we have an entire community built around this, because it takes a community of people speaking the same language to 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 help you do this. Right. It, it would have been really hard for me to just read a book and then go out and do all this. I had to get around other people who were using the same language, trying to accomplish the same things. That was the big catalyst that helped me you know, reorient uh, towards playing my game. You know, so if you're feeling like you're not playing your game right now, definitely go pick up that book. And if you pick up the book and you like what you see in there, come join us in the, inside the Whale Club. It's a free community, right? We talk about a lot of free things in there. There's also a paid side, right? So if you want to join some of the top real estate investors in the country who are doing this and reorienting their lives and their businesses around playing their game and using cool things like real estate and blockchain and AI and all these emerging technologies, like that's the fun part, but we've got to build the foundation first. That's what we do inside the Will Club. Yeah. And the powerful and the conversations we had last Wednesday were incredibly powerful. I mean, it's cool to witness, right? Like how much we're changing people's lives. Anything you want to leave everybody with? Um, nope. I think I'm good, man. All right, awesome. So guys, if you guys found this conversation valuable, please, please think about it. Take some time. Consider what we talked about. Go back in the comment section. Put in your six-word update. I'm asking you this for us, but truly, this will help you guys as well. Until next time, I'll see you guys next week on the next episode. Bye, everyone.